Hello. Hi, welcome everybody, and thank you for joining us today at this session. Before we begin, we kindly request that you turn off your cell phones to minimize any distractions. And to make the most of this event, we highly encourage you to utilize the conference app. It grants you access to all the conference functions and keeps you updated with the latest updates and announcements. If you need to find it, um, you can get the app through the QR code on the back of your um, lanyard. And don't forget to join the conversation and share your experiences at this session or the conference by using the hashtag SNEB2023 on social media. And our presenters will be available to address any questions you may have following the presentation. And now, without further ado, let's invite our session moderator and speakers to the stage. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Caitlin Kanaki. I am a senior program lead for evaluation at the University of Illinois Extension, including um, our SNAP education program, which our presentation today, Asset-Based Community Nutrition Education, Aligning Program and Partner Efforts for Equity-Centered Nutrition and Food Systems Transformation. Um, this comes from our SNAP education program. So today, uh, we have a really good treat. We have four awesome speakers, and I hope that you really enjoy what they have to share. We have Jennifer McCaffrey, who is the Assistant Dean for the Family of Consumer Sciences programs at University of Illinois Extension. In her position, she focuses on health and family well-being by providing statewide leadership for extension programs in nutrition, family, relationships, and personal finance. She loves the opportunity to work collaboratively with community partners to address health issues and is passionate about building systems to help Illinois residents live a healthy lifestyle. Next, we'll have Brenda Wolford, who is a senior associate in Alterum's community health practice area. Ms. Wolford has worked on SNAP evaluation since 2013, leading evaluation activities and providing technical assistance to more than 10 different states. She provides management, research, and technical support to several Alterum projects, including lead roles in planning, conducting, and analyzing SNAP-Ed social marketing evaluations and PSC change strategies. Our next presenter is Dale Kerr. She believes that collaboration is critical to the work she does in the community. She brings her past military health career that provided her an opportunity to live abroad learning about different cultures to her 21-year career with Extension in the SNAP-Ed program. The experience has allowed her to collaborate with many organizations such as healthcare, faith-based, schools, pantries, and park districts. And our final presenter is gonna be joining us virtually, so this is gonna be really fun. Um, Ms. Jeannie Angs. Uh, she is a Regional Director of Community Health for Advocate Aurora Health. She directs community health assessment, program development, and impact measurement, focusing on interventions to improve health equity. Prior to joining AAH, Ms. Ng was the Director of a Federally Qualified Health Center in Lake County, providing care to more than 40,000 underserved patients. In her leadership, the organization achieved certification through the Joint Commission as a patient-centered medical home and opened Lake County's first school-based health center. All right, so three objectives today. Describe the program design of multi-level, multi-component nutrition education programs using a community-wide approach. 
Next, we'll describe methods for assessing participant level impact of community-wide multi-level, multi-component interventions, and identify methods to assess alignment of programs and partners with multi-level, multi-component nutrition education programs using a community-wide approach. So, without further ado, I'll introduce our first speaker, Jen McCaffrey. All right, thanks, Caitlin. So I'm going to bring us into the presentation today to talk a little bit about how we got here, and then I'll let them talk about uh, where we're going. Uh, so we originally started this journey about 2012 when the SNAP-Ed guidance uh, put out that SNAP-Ed programs should focus on nutrition education for obesity prevention. So we set out to design our SNAP-Ed intervention using evidence-based strategies that would look to eventually, I say eventually because given the slide up there, uh, prevent obesity. So as many of us know, obesity, you just can't snap your fingers and have strategies and it's solved, right? And so around that time or shortly after, obesity started to be called a wicked problem because there was so many components that went into it that played to addressing the outcome. And so I love this map. Um, it's kind of a mapping model where you uh, write all the factors that go into addressing the problem. And if you would like to read uh, more about that, uh, there's sources up there for you. So we started looking at the models and uh, revamping our intervention uh, to address this. This was right about the time that the dietary guidelines first published the social ecological model as part of the dietary guidelines. And so this just fueled our fire uh, to use the social ecological model in our intervention. And as we all probably know, the social ecological model uh, highlights how the individual's behavior is not only influenced by interventions directly to that individual, but also at components around that individual, such as their social network, organizations, factors in the community, and policies. And so for many of us that work in SNAP-Ed or in nutrition education, we describe now our work as direct education to the individual or direct intervention to the individual or through policy systems and environment or PSE. Um, and so you have to slow down when you say that, otherwise people are like, what are you talking about, PSE? Um, so that queued up our intervention to look at multi-level, multi-component settings. Um, and now a lot of people call those interventions whole of the community. Um, we like to use the multi-level, multi-component, multi-mode, um, but sometimes for short in the literature you might find it as whole of the community. So here we were, uh, we had our model, and, but the question still remained, can we do this in SNAP-Ed? This had all been done in interventions that were more in the research-based world, um, so can this be done in community-based settings? So we set out to try. Um, so this was um, our 
So this is kind of what it looks like for us in Illinois. And the first step that we took to design our multi-level, multi-component, multi-mode uh, intervention was to identify network communities. That's what we call them. And so we've had lots of discussions over the years, but basically a network is a concentration where your intended audience lives. So it's kind of a geographic designation. And so within this network, we have the concentration of our target audience. So for us in Illinois, that's SNAP eligible women and their children. And so we mapped out where there were higher concentrations of uh, individuals in their communities. And then we kind of set up the patterns, or now we call it hubs and spokes. But it's basically where people go about their daily lives. And so where they live, work, play, etc., learn. And so within that geographic hub, and there may be spokes that flow into that hub. So within this network, we list out all the, I call it, all the places and spaces where our families may be. Um, so organizational partners, assets, et cetera. And the goal of this is to maximize the dose that that individual and family receives from the concentration of strategies that we have within that network. And so we know all the places and spaces generally that people will be. And so then we set out to partner with those partners, organizations, settings to design those activities or have those activities implemented that are both directed at the individual as well as in the policy system environment space. Um, Unlike the studies, um, which I forgot to mention those, we were influenced by Shape Up Somerville and some of the CORD studies. So unlike those studies, we have an organic uh, relationship. So it relies strictly on our partner's readiness and the other assets that are in the community. Um, so it relies a lot on the collective. Um, a lot of people use the term collective impact um, of what's going on in the community and the synergies that can happen across the collective. So no one of these communities are the same. Um, they all rely on the assets and the partnerships that are in those communities. So what does this look like? Um, in day to day. So we like to use a story um, of how SNAP-Ed influences a family across their everyday life. Uh, so we have Sonia, a fictional character that we have developed, but all of these examples of how SNAP-Ed can influence Sonia and her family are real. So I'll just take a few minutes just to walk you through a day in the life of Sonia and how she interacts with SNAP-Ed. So this morning, Sonia had a doctor's appointment. And I'm going to speed up this story, so you'll have to follow along. But um, so Sonia went to her doctor's appointment. And her doctor prescribed her uh, prescription produce. Um, and this 
doctor happened to partner with SNAP-Ed and be trained on how to implement and screen for prescription um, produce for food insecurity and give out prescription produce. So this well-trained physician had partnered with SNAP-Ed and gave Sonia her prescription produce. Uh, Sonia left uh, her appointment and out in the parking lot was a farmer's market that the community had put together with the help of their SNAP-Ed partner. So Sonia stopped by the uh, farmer's market in the parking lot, uh, redeemed her prescription produce. She also stopped by the Eat, Move, Save booth, the Illinois SNAP-Ed nutrition education that was there, and picked up a few recipes on how to prepare that produce that she picked up. On her way home on the bus line, uh, Sonia was standing there with her cell phone and she saw a poster for Fine Food Illinois. And she thought, well, I could really, uh, you know, I need food for me and my family. Um, so I, she scanned the QR code and scanned what was on the Fine Food Illinois. And she actually found a grocery store that was closer to her house that accepted a SNAP EBT. Um, and she planned to stop there. Uh, turns out, Fine Food Illinois was developed by SNAP-Ed in Illinois. Um, on her way home, uh, she uh, stopped by the pantry to pick up a few things that complemented the produce that she picked up at the, her doctor's visit. This pantry happened to take a training from SNAP-Ed a few months earlier, and they have already transformed their pantry to be a shopping-style pantry. So Sonia was easily able to navigate uh, the pantry and pick out the things that she could really use for her and her family. Lo and behold, on the shelf, there was some recipe cards for the things that she could pick up, and those things were also provided by the SNAP-Ed partners. Once she got home, um, her children were there, and her children were very eager to tell her about the Organ Wise Guys program that came to her school. Turns out, Organ Wise Guys is delivered by SNAP-Ed in Illinois. Um, and she, uh, her and her children chatted about what they learned um, from healthy eating and the recipe that her child tried that day in the class. Uh, her teenage son came home and was very excited to talk about lunch. Turns out that her son's lunchroom uh, has a share table, and he was able to pick up a few, a uh, couple of things off that share table today because he is a growing teenager and was very hungry at lunch. This share table was uh, brought to the school in partnership with the, her, the snap egg collaborators in the community who had uh, gone through a training and learned how to implement the share table at uh, the school. So I'll stop there. The story can go on and on about gardening and produce and various things, uh, but for the sake of time, uh, hopefully you get the picture as someone goes through the day all the different ways that they can interact with SNAP-Ed. I think I forgot to tell you that she signed up for the texting program and all. <laughs> many, many different ways. As I said, the story could go on. So one of the uh, interesting things that we've encountered is looking at how to evaluate uh, the SNAP-Ed multi-mode, multi-component, multi-setting. And we have made uh, many attempts.
We were fortunate enough to receive some funding through the Nutrition Education Centers of Excellence grants. I don't know if any of you uh, participated in those around 2016, but that helped dip our toe into the water of evaluating this network model. Uh, so our first attempt really was looking at how do the partners across the community know each other? Um, do they know that each other exists? Do they know that they're working on obesity prevention strategies? And are they collaborating? So we conducted a community network analysis, which is a formal thing. So if you want to know about the ins and outs of community network analysis, I'd be happy to share, or we have a couple of publications on that. And we found that our partners had medium, I'll just describe it as medium level uh, connectedness. So we knew that we had some work to do. Um, in this same study, uh, we also tried to determine if our SNAP-Ed participants were actually receiving the intervention in the multi-layer, multi-component setting. Um, so I'm not going to talk a lot about that, but the community partner and the community analysis is where we will build on for where our work is headed in the future. So as you can imagine with any research, uh, questions remained. Uh, we had uh, questions about what was the actual dose that our participants were receiving, not only at the individual level, but across the community. How many community partners are actually receiving and partnering with us uh, in the SNAP-Ed intervention? So cue up what we have been working on lately. Uh, so we just completed a three-year evaluation, so I would say round two of our network analysis. And we had four parts of this three-year evaluation. So we looked at our networks, so all the networks that we have across the state, so there's about 80 of them. And we uh, developed a method where we could tier them um, to look at, that was like the dose of nutrition education or our SNAP-Ed intervention across the 80 networks that we had. And then uh, we looked at the impact at the individual and then we also did a round two of uh, talking to our partners in our network and classifying what level of obesity prevention they were working at. Part four was a return on investment. So today we're gonna primarily focus on part one and part three, but if you're interested in any of the components, uh, we do have information at the end on how you can access them. So I will turn it over to Brenda to get us into the evaluation methods that we used. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, and as Caitlin mentioned in the beginning, I work for Altarum. We are an exter external evaluator for Illinois SNAP-Ed. And I'm going to walk through just the various methodologies, approaches we use to evaluate the community network approach that Jennifer just described. Our first step was to develop this ranking and tiering of the uh, networks um, to look at the influence of su support, obesity prevention, and eligible communities. So the purpose of this was to understand some similarities and differences between the networks and the factors that, implement, um, that impact the outcomes of the SNAP-Ed eligible populations. 
<clears throat> so networks were assessed using external and internal program indicators, as you can see here on the, the right of the slide. We looked at um, the networks were ranked from highest to lowest in terms of the quantity of obesity prevention supports. And they were assigned into one of three tiers. So you can see that our, well, our tier one networks had the, the highest amount of obesity prevention supports, and the tier threes had the lowest amounts uh, or fewer supports. Um, so we used indicators you can see on the right here uh, to create the, the ranking and tiering method. We looked at SNAP-Ed programming, direct education, indirect education, PSC strategies, and that type of thing that went into the ranking and tiering. But we also looked at external indicators, such as partnerships and coalitions, the presence of those within the community networks, and some assets in the community, such as presence of a hospital needs assessment or a local health assessment. So the ranking and tiering really did serve two purposes. The first was for program planning, and the SNAP-Ed team here was able to use the ranking and tiering to direct their social marketing campaign messages. So the community networks that were sort of at the bottom of the tier received more, a higher dosage of the, the social marketing campaign messages. And then for our purposes for evaluation, we sampled the um, networks across the three tiers um, who were we had them participate in the network evaluation and we looked at differences across tiers and networks through the evaluation. So after developing these tiers, we used the tiers to help inform the samples for parts two and three of the evaluation. So I'm next I'm going to quickly discuss part two, which was to determine the impact on individuals. So to assess the impact at the individual level, we did survey Illinois residents with lower incomes, and the purpose was to understand how SNAP-Ed impacts eligible adults living within these networks. We collected surveys from lower income residents at two time points. You can see we did a baseline survey in September of 2021, and then six months later we did a follow-up survey. These were all done online. And the surveys asked questions about the, or the individuals receiving of SNAP-Ed or recognition of SNAP-Ed, healthy behavior actions, fruit and vegetable consumption, and physical activity. So next I'm going to talk about part three of our evaluation, and this was to characterize the community networks by conducting a partner and coalition assessment. So to understand the depth and value of how partnerships and coalitions contribute to SNAP-Ed, we did a multi-component partnership and coalitions assessment. And the purpose was to understand how SNAP-Ed and partners contribute to obesity prevention within the same community. So this, this assessment had four parts. The first one was a network partner analysis, and I'll explain that on the next slide. We did a partner survey, partner interviews, and staff focus groups in a br very brief survey of staff. So the first part was in, uh, to analyze partner alignment. So the, the staff, local staff who were working within those networks that we sampled for this evaluation, they were asked to complete an assessment that identified all of the partners and coalitions having a role in obesity prevention within their networks. And they were then, they categorized their partners as either direct, parallel, or assets. So the direct partners, as you would imagine, work directly with SNAP-Ed, 
and the parallel partners worked on obesity prevention strategies within those community networks, but they were independent of SNAP-Ed. And the assets were present within the network, but they did not work on obesity prevention strategies. They, did, they do contribute to SNAP-Ed outcomes just by the nature of the, their organization or purpose. So something might be a grocery store. An example would be a grocery store. This information was compiled and analyzed then to determine the distribution and services um, across the networks and if there was differences across networks and within those partner organizations. So as you can imagine, this was a very, it was a big undertaking and Caitlin worked very closely with her staff on this and it took quite a bit of effort for them to complete. But then uh, that, that list of partners that we then had access to, we could use for the, the other parts of this assessment. <clears throat> so we did want to get local SNAP-Ed staff uh, to gather their perspectives and they participated in focus groups with us to uh, determine how partnerships and coalitions are contributing to broad community-wide changes and policy implementation, and this was all relative to healthy eating, physical activity, food access, and obesity prevention, and we were interested in, in what was going on both with and without SNAP-Ed. We also asked staff to complete a very brief survey, and this was just to capture information, such as their job role and their length of employment. Next, we developed a partner survey, uh, a partner and coalition survey, and this was to determine how local organizations and um, coalitions contribute to healthy eating, active living, and food access. And there was a big emphasis on this step on this partner alignment within, within the community networks. We also captured those partners, their perceived influence on healthy eating, active living, and food access, and their current motivation and capacity and any future plans that they might have. All of the partners, as I mentioned uh, a minute ago, all of the partners who we identified through that alignment process, they were invited to take this survey. And then lastly, a subset of those partners who did take the survey were invited to participate in some interviews with us. And this was just to get further information about um, how they are contributing to community-wide change and policy implementation. Again, relative to healthy eating, active living, food access. And this was both, again, trying to understand how they were doing that with and without SNAP-Ed. <clears throat> so with that, I'm going to pass this over to Dale to talk more about collaboration. Thank you, Brenda. So this is the fun part. This is the part where we get to share how we actually implement some of the things that has been discussed here today. Jeannie, my colleague, will be coming on virtually via, um, through Zoom or the system. Okay, so when I'm working with partners, I start to take a look at what do they have that they're working on? Are, do we have a mutual interest? Do we have shared values? Do we have the capacity to work? Many of you, if you're working with partners in your communities, probably do the same things, and you have to start to look at, if a partner comes to me, do I have the capacity to support them? Because when you start working with partners, you have to start building that trust. And I'm very fortunate that me and Jeannie um, Ong, who's coming on in a minute, we've worked together, I said 10, she says 15. I don't know, it's just been fun. We've worked together on a lot of different collaboratives, as you're gonna see. And it's just really nice to have a partner that's kind of in the community doing similar things and you can bounce ideas off and share and then have those wonderful results in the end. 
So kind of going back to our framework of how we work in the SNAP-Ed unit in the office, you have community workers in Illinois that are, do our direct ed peer-to-peer. -peer. They kind of work with those individual um, SNAP-Ed audiences, WIC. And then you have your interpersonal portion where we have a social network, where we kind of get to know different partners, different agencies. And, we, and that's where the, the community workers are still working, but then you get to the organizational part. They're still working in the schools, but when we start to work with the organizations such as pantry managers, um, teachers, um, anybody, faculty that probably don't qualify for SNAP-Ed, that's where the PSC staff comes in. We start to work with them hand in hand. But then we kind of work on that community. What can we change the framework with our coalitions? Can we put in a walkable um, area to get to a playground? Or can we do a walking school bus is the word I was looking for. Um, and then you might be looking at policy in the food pantry. Um, maybe you want to have healthier food donations. And so you kind of work with that pantry to make sure that some of the food that's coming in or that the staff that is working in the pantry isn't um, being, uh, if they're sick, they don't show up. And they show up when they're healthy. So that's kind of our framework. It's that sociological model that we kind of use. And we kind of work as a team. I'm fortunate to have at least uh, two community workers in one unit with a program coordinator, and then in my other unit, we have three or four with a program coordinator. So here's one of my local offices, but here's the mission. So when I'm working with partners and stuff, I like to kind of share what our mission is so that they can see what we're working on as a in the University of Illinois Extension. You know, I have other partners in my office, such as 4-H, small farms and food systems, horticulture, um, the master gardeners, they're all there too to help support that food access work and other things that are going on or working with the youth in the schools. I also like to let people know when we're in coalitions or having meetings and partners that we're out here to find out what the needs of the community are and bring them back to the campus, maybe to evaluate, to research, to do something with. And then we're also there to take the information that's been written and provided by our, our state teams. We bring it out to the local, unit, uh, local community to implement those SNAP-Ed programs. And at this point, I'm going to ask Jeannie to come on. And hopefully you can see me there. Hello, everybody. Uh, Jeannie Ong with Advocate Healthcare, and uh, we are a large health system based in uh, both Illinois and Wisconsin and also in the southeastern part of uh, the United States. So um, one, right here on this slide is our Advocate Healthcare Community Strategy. So one of the things that I wanted to um, start with is to just let you know that you know, we approached our work with community partners in much the same way that was described um, by, by our earlier speakers. We go forth in, before we start looking for a partner and to guide our work, we also do an environmental scan. And um, part of that environmental scan is to, divide, is to identify partners who really have some of the same principles guiding their work. Um, and in here, you can kind of, I want to highlight just a few um, that really aligned directly with Illinois Extension. Um, when we did that environmental scan, we could see there was direct alignment 
um, very early on. So for instance, our approach is rooted in improving health equity in advocate healthcare. Obviously that is one of the, the um, key values uh, of the Illinois Extension. We're very much grounded in data. We build our initiatives to address the needs identified in our uh, comprehensive community health needs assessment. So every hospital system that is a nonprofit is required to do a full assessment of their service area every three years. And then we build an implementation plan uh, from the results of that assessment. Uh, you heard earlier that um, there was a lot of focus on particular geographies or populations uh, of uh, high, uh, high need communities. And we, we rank our communities really using a lot of quantitative and qualitative data um, and identify those with the, you know, the highest needs in terms of their socioeconomic status. Uh, and those are the ones that we want to invest our time, energy, and funding in. We use that public health approach, and that means that we want to work upstream at, uh, on the drivers of health as much as possible. And then as the extension, we track our metrics over time to measure the impact. Next slide. So collaboration is really um, the key underpinning of our approach to community health as a health system. As we were beginning to build out our, our three-year community health improvement strategy, um, we identified other active initiatives that were addressing obesity prevention. So obesity was selected by our advisory council at the hospitals in both uh, Lake and McHenry County. And for those of you, I didn't uh, describe this, for those of you that aren't familiar with the geography around Chicago, Lake and McHenry counties are the two northern counties that are uh, directly north of the city of Chicago and go all the way up to along the lakefront of, up to uh, the Wisconsin border. So we um, began to um, focus on, uh, on those um, active initiatives to see who else was really working in this space partially because we did not want to duplicate efforts. We wanted to make sure that we were using our resources, which are limited as everyone else's, uh, and wanted to make sure that we could really um, focus where the need is, but also where others weren't already working. Um, when we did this, we found that both of us were implementing evidence-based or evidence-informed programs. Uh, we both were committed to working with community members to build our approaches from the ground up. So really a value of um, doing this work is that you it's organic, it's a bit organic and you want to make sure that it is driven by the community and for the community, that you aren't coming in as any resource agency and just applying a template, but instead you give you, you have a resource approach or a resourced approach, an evidenced approach, but you really tailor that to the local community and listen to the need, the uh, the voice of the community members to drive how you shape it. Also, we found that both agencies are focused on um, policy systems and environment, and I've been so pleased to be able to work with uh, Dale over the last couple of years, particularly because. She has a very 
much longer runway of working with policy system and environment changes. And as a health system, we're kind of coming into the PSE space a little bit um, around now, whereas in the past, we kind of had a history of just evidence-based programming. So I'm learning a lot from her. And I think that is another value of a, a community partnership is that you really get to learn from one another. Next slide. So we wanted to share a few examples of some of the kind of, of work we've done together, uh, particularly looking here at some of the shared coalitions. Through our relationships over the years, we've um, served together on many of the same coalitions. And then more recently, we've added another level of collaboration to our relationship. So in both Lake and McHenry County, we both had the honor to serve on the steering committees. Uh, for the community health improvement plans of the local health departments and the and many of the action teams and the action teams is where the work gets done. You know, that is those are the multi stakeholder groups where you try to get representatives of all, a lot of the key industry and other um, organizations working in the same space, but from a different perspective to work on a problem together. And um, we discovered that, um, as we discovered that uh, Extension is a trusted resource in obesity prevention, we then uh, invited them to become a member of our hospital advisory committee at Advocate Good Shepherd Hospital. And that is a hospital that actually serves both Lake and McHenry County. And on the other side, I was also invited by the Extension Service to recently become a member of the Illinois Extension Advisory Council for those two counties. And so I think this really is a good example of how, how our relationship over several years as colleague organizations has now uh, really reached the next level where we uh, are, are very much valued as resources to one another's organizations and are in uh, positions of leadership to help shape the work. Next slide. So the last portion of today is we're going to drill down into some key examples of the coalition work we've done together. Next slide. You probably are very familiar, many of you in the audience, with Go Knapsack. Um, and we um, collaborated together uh, in 2018 on the Go Knapsack program. And um, this really started out by both of us working uh, individually in, with early childhood centers to, um, to do the assessment process and to help advise them on changes in policy practices, systems, and environments that they uh, could do to really improve healthy um, access to healthy food for the young children. Um, but as we implemented, we really wanted to make sure that we were coordinating and were, were um, again, sharing best practices and identifying key barriers. We, we, also, we actually found as we began coordinating our work and collaborating um, that many of us, many of the uh, child, early childhood education centers were experiencing some of the same problems and there were opportunities for us to join some of those uh, centers together to share or brainstorm or problem solve how we could overcome some of the same barriers we were experiencing and um, really coordinate the work. So both working with the same exact program with different, pot, with different um, areas of need in the same two counties, but making sure that we were coordinating and collaborating. And 
for me, ultimately, this ended up being a wonderful example of collective impact because the impact was certainly larger uh, and we, we could organically shape the initiatives and shape the work together um, to make it responsive to the community. Next. This is a current example and very proud of this program. Advocate Condell Medical Center in Lake County currently runs a mobile food pantry called RX Mobile Food Pantry. And this is a partnership with a local church. It started out there. They are our host, a local Catholic church. Uh, it's right in the heart of Lake Villa where there is a high level of food insecurity. Additional uh, partners early on came, that came to the table and joined us were the uh, local township and then the Northern Illinois Food Bank, which is a wonderful partner and is the uh, pro provides our food. This is a special pantry and it brings fresh fruit and vegetables, meat, milk, and eggs to these Lake Villa residents every two weeks um, where there, like I said, there's a very high rate of food insecurity. And I will say one of the things to mention here too is we identified some pockets of food insecurity that were, um, we were able to drill down in through looking at data that we have available in community health at the at our health system, um, looking at census tract analysis. If you looked only at the zip code level in this area, you really would miss some of the pockets of poverty and the pockets of food insecurity that exist. And that really guided where we looked for partners to locate this access point. So Illinois Extension SNAP-Ed is a, is a relatively new addition to our partnership, and we're so thrilled because they have brought, um, well, they, were, they donated a wonderful sign that helped guide some of our neighbors to get to us, which was uh, very, very thankful for that. But more importantly, they have been coming to provide healthy recipes and food samples of the food that we are, we are giving out each day at the uh, food pantry. And that has been so well received by the neighbors coming to our pantry. And um, we are continuing this relationship and have found that it's, um, it's you know, this added education from experts in SNAP-Ed is something that we don't really have in our community health team. So this helps us to really um, up our game in this program and I think um, makes it uh, definitely more effective and certainly um, more well received by our neighbors. So Dale is going to share a couple of additional examples. Thanks, Jeannie. So this Avon Cares pant Food Pantry, I received a call and I was asked if I could help evaluate the food pantry and make sure that there was healthy food provided at the food pantry because Condell, Health, Condell Hospital was providing the diabetes training and then they were going to do this RX prescription, but they wanted to make sure that as they got the food to the clients that there would be a process that people would find healthier options too. So we went and did a NEFPAT assessment, then I worked with the food pantry manager and assisted her to make sure that all the healthy food was at eye level, unhealthy food in different places, put nudge signs, made the, the environment warm and welcoming, had good messaging throughout the pantry. They provided, Condell, provided this prescription that gave a box of fresh fruits and vegetables that the Northern Illinois Food Bank brought up to the pantry. 
So this was a pantry that was um, in need of just some simple tweaks here and there on making it healthy. So that was fun to work with. Um, another thing that we, Jeannie mentioned early on, is some of the action teams that we belong to. So Jeannie and myself were on this Eat Well action team. And we had a school nurse, we had a Rush Med uh, University professor, we had um, a resident, I'm trying to think of all, we, Lake County Health was a part of the team. There was several different identities. But what we did is we first got together and we looked for evidence-based curricula that we thought we would provide to the county areas where SNAPED is at and to try to see if we can lower the obesity. We decided that we would pick Faithful Families out of North Chicago, that, that curriculum, and we piloted three of the churches. After we did this initial pilot, we kind of got the feedback from the residents or from the participants, and their comments were, this is great information, but when we're going to food pantries, we're not able to capture healthy food. So the team got back together and we decided that we would then launch a study to find out what the barriers were or the opportunities or challenges that we could find out for why the residents weren't getting the proper nutrition that they wanted from the pantries. We did this in Lake County and got the results. Here's a, a published article that went up to the Feeding Illinois website. You can read it at your leisure. Um, but then we also took it a step further and studied all of the state food pantries, thanks to Caitlin and her evaluation team. And I think if Cassandra's in here, she is one of our lead. Is she there? There she is. So she was one of our lead people to help us with this. So um, it was really exciting and fun to kind of meet with the food pantry managers. They were excited because they knew that the information was confidential. So they were willing to give us the information that we needed. And then they're able to get some changes, not only in our own county, but in other state, uh, throughout the state. But I know our county, I don't hear anyone saying, isn't any food better than no food anymore? And that was something that was really bothering me. And the other thing that was really bothering me is people weren't asking, do you have food allergies? Nobody was asking those questions. So because of this um, research and study, we were able to make some really meaningful changes, I'm happy to say. And we just had an article published. And if you go visit Ms. Cassandra tomorrow, you'll see the poster and some of our findings. Thank you so much. I'm going to turn it back over to Caitlin, though. So as you can see, uh, hopefully from the examples, if you dream it, it will come. And so Dale and Jeannie highlighted just uh, two of our counties, and I think, Dale, do you have five you, or networks? Five networks. So within Dale's two counties, she has five networks. So that's kind of how it plays out. And I told you earlier, we have 80 networks across the state. So kind of compound what Dale did and talked about by 80. And you can imagine we have a lot going on. But hopefully we highlighted for you that um, it takes a village. 
and it just doesn't happen in a vacuum. Um, Dale was our first educator we hired for PSE, and she's still with us um, 10 years later. Um, but you can see what some of what can come in 10 years of really concentrating efforts. And so if you want to read more about the results, I know we were results light and examples heavy uh, in this presentation, um, but if you want to read more about the results, we have our infographic up here, and then all of our full reports, if you scan the QR code, you can get access to our full reports. And I know I'm stealing some of Caitlin's thunder, so I'm going to turn it over to Caitlin to finish us out and moderate our questions. Um, so as Jen said, if you follow the QR code, it'll take you to the results page from our three-year evaluation study that we did. Um, the, I'm going to warn you, if you like details, that's where they'll be. Um, we have reports over 150 pages. Um, but if you want to look specifically at what we did on the um, alignment of partners and looking at the distribution of which partners are contributing and what are they contributing and how does that align with us? How is it different? Um, I highlighted here which report you're going to want to go and find and what section to look in. Um, but, you know, when you're up late at night um, then, and you need something to read, that's where you should go. So I think that sums up what we had prepared for you all today. So now we're interested to hear what you think and what questions you have or uh, what you're excited about or any of the above. So if you're welcome to come up to the uh, microphone or we have awesome Evelyn here who will take it around if anyone has questions. Hello, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I just had a question, uh, well, I had, it's two questions in one. Uh, number one, like throughout your process, because it's a very robust process, um, and it's because it's part of the title, um, equity-centered. So how do you define that, and how are you able to operationalize that um, in a way that results in policy, environmental, and systems changes? I'll take the first stab at it, and then Dale can add to kind of some of the things, how we're building on it. So when we look at equity, we use kind of the definition of ensuring that everyone has the opportunity um, within their community. So when you look at obesity prevention, opportunity can mean many things. So opportunity to high quality food, uh, opportunity to physical activity. So it could be like any one of those supports that contribute to obesity prevention. So it's opportunity to a lot of things. Um, so when we look at that opportunity then, uh, we look at um, ensuring how does that get there? So that looks at, well, who are the partners? And then I will admit early, in the early days, we didn't do as much gathering community members' feedback. 
but I, in the last two years, we have made more of an effort to have community members on our coalitions and boards. And so prior to that, it was primarily community partners, so people within the community that were living and working in the community coming together and looking at um, what opportunities they wanted for their community but we acknowledged we were missing some voices there. And so really took an effort at adding additional voices to make sure that everyone was being heard. And so that's kind of the model. And Dale's here. She's okay. gonna talk about uh, what, how they were, how that has uh, transpired in Lake County. Well, in Lake and McHenry. So basically, um, I think one of the nicest things is being a SNAP at educators, you get a call from one of your partners that asks you to help because they've identified an area that needs assistance and you kind of work with your partners, but you also go out to the communities and you listen, you hear what people are, need, you talk to the teachers if they need a backpack program in their school. You kind of work with those communities that you know for sure meet the criteria for SNAP at NWIC. You hang out at food pantries. Um, you just kind of get embedded into the community. And I think recently I've had the opportunity of doing listening sessions and just hearing from residents what their needs are. You know, that they can't find affordable housing, that they can't find jobs. And then to be able to work with the local um, key officials the, the township supervisors, the um, board of tr their trustees in, in the community, just working with them to bring some equity um, to their residents or to share with them what needs to happen. Did we answer your question? Can I, can I add one thing, Dale, if that's okay? Sure. Uh, I wanted to share just in Lake County <laughs> how some of that transformation has happened just over uh, in this current cycle of their implementation plan. So we uh, have action teams that have formed mm -hmm. around several topics, uh, health priorities in, in Lake County now. But one of the transformations that has been really remarkable to see is how we are being extremely mindful mm -hmm. of how we can make the action teams friendly and inclusive and welcoming to community members. Um, some examples of that that we implemented just this past week um, is for the very first time we added, uh, and these are our many, in many cases, virtual meetings because that's really large coalitions or large action teams are often virtual. We've added sign language interpretation and Spanish interpretation in those meetings. Then we actually heard several of the members come forward to say, oh, you know, this is the first time I really followed everything that was going on um, who were hard of hearing or limited hearing or deaf. And we, uh, many of those who were hard of hearing, we didn't even realize that that was, uh, that was keeping them out of the conversation. So those were, you know, just little things like setting up an orientation time ahead of time to welcome a new member, a new community member into the action team to tell them, here's what we're doing, here's the, Here's what we're doing. Here's what, uh, how far we've uh, gotten along in our work together. Um, 
here's who these people are, here's who's represented, so that they're, they're brought in with a friend, they're brought in with somebody who's a mentor who can kind of take them into the action team and um, they're not feeling like, oh, who is this, what are they saying? And then the final thing is we have really been now adjusting our language that we use. As you know, in this field, it's the land of acronyms. In, you know, in healthcare, in health education, so it, everything has an acronym. And so, you know, it's an acronym-free zone. We have handouts that have the acronyms on them. Um, we are using, trying to change our language to be much more user-friendly in both print and as we speak. Because when you bring community members in and you start talking about technical things and technical changes, you know, they may come for one meeting, but they're, they're not gonna come back again. And so really being mindful about the little things make a big difference to invite and keep community, community members who you really need not only at the table, but to be driving this work um, to keep them involved. And we're very fortunate too with the coalition that we have in Lake County that one of the foundations um, paid for Collective Impact to come in and do a series of workshops. So if anyone's familiar with that collective impact information, it really does bring everybody at the grassroots. And so everybody's been talking about it. The coalition's gone from like 30 to 68. Janie can correct me, I'm not sure what the current number was this last week. But it's really trying to bring everyone in. And, and the other thing about that fund too, that's another change that happened this cycle. We have a fund called the Together Lake County Fund so now the, mem the community members who spend their time in our coalition meetings or steering committees are paid. They are paid an hourly rate to participate out of our fund because their time is just as valuable as our time are, and we're getting, you know, we're getting paid to sit there as part of our job, but they're taking time away from their family, their, vol their volunteer, or their own jobs to participate in those meetings. And so that's another value that has changed is to make sure that those community members actually, that we put together a process and um, the fund is held by a local, local community foundation and they have a process to get reimbursed for their time. Yeah, there was a second part to it, right? Oh, sorry. <laughs> if we can answer any more just let us know because we really get excited about getting into those communities and working with them and making sure that we're hitting all demographics that fit that you know snap at audience so thank you were there any other questions we have three minutes we can do this I can talk a little bit about that. So, um, if you looked at the um, if you looked at the infographic, the back page is all the summary of the ROI. Um, and basically, we took um, the different components of the program: direct education, social marketing, um, PSE. 
and where there was existing literature um, linking um, outcomes to those components with a dollar return. Um, our lovely um, co colleagues with Alterum um, put together a hypothetical model for us um, that took our program data um, and merged with existing literature and um, put those back out. So basically, um, we took those components and then modeled them through to their impact on decreasing healthcare costs, decreasing morbidity, increasing life expectancy, and um, improved education and employment. And so that's where the, um, the dollars come from. That's like taking a very large thing and <laughs> Saying it quickly. Do you want to tell them the number? Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, sure, I can tell you the number. So, um, so when you do this, um, we you model it on two different time points. So that's basic. Yeah. So it's basically for every dollar spent, um, the return is between five dollars and thirty-six cents up to nine dollars and fifty-four cents, um, based off of the longevity of those improvements. So. There you go. <laughs> All right, there okay, we we're right at time. If you have any other questions, please come up, um, email us, whatever. And thank you so much for coming. Hopefully you enjoyed the session.